right, let me start off just by asking y'all, how many, this is like one of the first churches you've been at where people kind of like hooped and made noise. Anybody raise your hands or, or like, you know, shouted, praise the Lord or hallelujah or, you know, is that kind of new for anybody? No? Good. Shout praise the Lord then, somebody. All right, all right. I saw a couple back here, you know, but you know what? That's okay. They're coming from the Presbyterian background. We love them just the same. And I'm, no, I'm kidding. And I'm good people. But, but yeah, for some folk, though, your first, how many of your first experience when you were at a church where people were raising their hands was kind of, you were just like, Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, mean, so I remember in school, I would raise my hand if I had the answer, right? Right? Oh, 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 oh. Remember Horse Shack? That's old for some of you all I know. But yeah, yeah. I mean, but, but, but when you came to church, it was kind of like, what? we're supposed to read that in Psalms, but we're not supposed to really lift up our hands in worship. That's just, oh, clap your hands, all ye people. No. No, we're supposed to read it, but we're not supposed to do it. You know, dance before the Lord. Definitely not. <laughs> supposed to read it, but we're not supposed to, to do it, you know. And, um, and I think for many of us, that was kind of our background. And for my, my family, my dad had come into faith through a Baptist church. And I was baptized in a Baptist church, wonderful church, taught them the word of God. And I began to teach our family the things of faith. And I, but it was very quiet, very subdued kind of church. And I'm just going to tell you right now, if you need a four-wheel drive to get you stuck out the mud, honey, get yourself a four-wheel drive. All right? What do you mean, what do you mean Ross? The movement my dad was in was good. I'm not saying he didn't get saved, but he was still ugly, mean, and violent at home, you know. But there was something that happened when he went to this revival service one night. And he went to a revival service where stranger things, everybody say stranger things, were happening. And it was something for him that was kind of, what in the world, you know. And him and mother, they've talked about through the years, and it was, it was awkward for them. It was different for them, you know. But it was one of those things where they're looking around and going, man, I just want touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want something real, something tangible to change my life. And dad, one night in the revival service, the power of God touched dad in such a way that he ended up just kneeling in a wheel, in a, in a, in a stairwell, like a thing over here. He said he calls it a stairwell. I just remember hearing him tell the story. And for a couple hours, waves of the Spirit of God just poured over him. And when he left that moment in the presence of the Holy Spirit, it was never the same in his life again. Was it strange? You bet. Was it different? According to Scripture, was it extra biblical? No. There's places in the Word of God where everything Dad was experiencing would line up to Scripture, but the church he was in would have to say, those things have left the church for this day and hour. And all I know, as long as there's need, we still need the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, as long as we need a word from the Lord, the word of prophecy will still exist. As long as we need a healing touch, gifts of healing are still evident today. As long as we need understanding, the idea of the, the, the discernment of spirits is present. We need it, amen? And so there's a whole lot in Scripture that is strange. Say stranger things. Things that seem different, but it's very easy for us to push them aside because they're strange. And 
What happened, because mom and dad began to experience this, and they began to take people in their Sunday school class because they were excited about what God was doing. My mother was healed of asthma. My dad was healed of bleeding ulcers that he had from drinking hooch in the hills when he was 17 years old, you know? And so he had bleeding ulcers, and the night he was healed, on the way home, he's like, I want spaghetti. And they took him to a restaurant. He ate spaghetti. He could never do that. It would tear him up. And dad received healing. I know it's hard to believe, but when I was little, I was really skinny. I... <laughs> he touched me. Oh, he touched me. I'm sorry. That's for the old timers. And the Lord touched me. And oh, the joy that flooded my little skinny soul. And now it's not skinny no more. Lord did a healing work on Ross. I'm telling you, I mean, I was a little, little skinny, frail kid. And man, next thing you know, God healed me. It was one of these things where the moving of the power of the Holy Spirit changed our family so much, they couldn't shut up about what God was doing. They couldn't shut up about Jesus. It wasn't Holy Spirit this, Holy Spirit this, get this manifestation, get this, get this. It was just they fell in love with Jesus at a whole deeper level. They wanted to please Jesus at a whole deeper level. They wanted to hear Jesus and speak the words of Jesus at a whole nother level. And what was sad was the church they went to asked them to leave. Isn't that wild? Why? Because they were embracing, everybody say, stranger things. Yeah, things that in our understanding look a little different, look a little unusual, you know. But again, scripturally, completely Completely biblical. And so at the beginning of this year, I told you this was going to be a year where I felt the Lord had impressed on my heart that we as a church would go deeper. Remember me saying that? And I said we'd go deeper in the word. We were going to go deeper in the spirit. Okay. And I have seen that. And we're going to go deeper in our commitments. I also told you that it was going to be a year where last year we saw acceleration by the grace of God. It didn't matter what we did. Success just came. Growth just came. I mean, just increase just came. It was just, it was a year where I told you I felt like God's grace was on us and was saying, my grace is going to bring you through this season. But this year, I felt like God was saying that maturity is going to bring you through. That I'm going to work maturity in you. And that's not easy, is it? Every 14, 15-year-old in the room. No, it's not. Try, I, we were all there, right, guys? It's not easy having maturity worked out in you. And that idea of going deeper was going to cost us something. I'm going to tell you right now, the last six months of the church, we have seen growth. We have seen, I can't believe the economic growth. Y'all have become givers. Hallelujah. I'm serious. I mean, it just blows my mind, the faithfulness of you people, you know. And, but we have faced challenges and hardships. And it, it hasn't been something that's going deeper. It hasn't been something that has come without a cost. It hasn't been something that's come without, without really a deeper commitment, you know, without going deeper in that area too. And so what I want us to challenge us to this summer, especially this month of June, I want to challenge us to being hungry for a deeper walk with Jesus, okay? Just, I mean, just like a, a palpable hunger. Where I just, I'm so hungry for him. I want to know Jesus. I want to know how he, he moves and acts and what he says. And I, just, I, want, I want to feel and sense Jesus close. I remember praying in an empty black sanctuary. Not black, like black church sanctuary, like, like the lights were off, sanctuary. And I was in the sanctuary praying, just praying, seeking God. Lord, I want to hear you. I want to hear you. I want you to be ever so close. And all of a sudden, I could hear sandals walking beside me. And I was just, and then all of a sudden, our youth pastor 
went, hey, Pastor Ross, what are you doing? <laughs> I, was, I was praying for Jesus to come close, and you and your Birkenstocks about scared the devil out of me. But no, really, seriously, though, that idea, I want to hear him. I want to walk close. How many wants to walk close with Jesus? Amen? Listen, if you're hungry for a deeper walk with Jesus, that walk can't fail to go down the path of the Holy Spirit. It can't. You've got to go toward the Spirit. You have to go. Everybody say, say I have to go toward the Holy Spirit. Yeah, if I'm going to know Jesus in this if you will, dispensation in this era of time. If I want to walk with Jesus, i got to walk with the Spirit. I've got to. There's no other way to walk deeper with Jesus than but to embrace the things of the Spirit. But when it comes down to it, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the supernatural. I'm praying over the next four weeks just for a heightened awareness of the supernatural. I'm praying for a heightened awareness of the presence of God in the house. Amen? Just a moving, a stirring I tell you this often, that we cannot make a revival happen, amen? But I'm praying that we can prepare our hearts, and today's part of that, that we can prepare our hearts and our expectations for a move of the Holy Spirit. I'm believing for that for this, this month, you know? And, I'm, and sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes church can be too people-based and not presence-based enough. I'm going to say that again, and we'll unpack it a little. Too people-based and not presence-based enough. And, 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 I'm, I, and I'm at fault, too, with this, okay? This is, I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm, I'm pointing right back at myself. <clears throat> God, what will people think? What will people say if your presence starts to move? What, what would people say if, I'll just throw this out, a message in tongues was to take place in church? <gasps> that'd, be, that'd be weird, huh? It's happened a few times here, but what would happen if, and, and it's kind of like, oh, and I worry so much because I want to reach the unchurched. I want to reach the one in here that is, has no clue about faith at all, you know. I do. I want to reach you so bad. But listen, I want to reach you with power, not persuasion. Man, I'm telling you right now, a person with an experience is never at the mercy of someone with an argument. You, my dad... They could have told him, the superintendent of the Sunday school thing, Rick Wiseman, you're leaving. We're not, we don't want you in here no more. You know what? But dad had had an experience that was undeniable, an experience that lined up with the word of God. And just because it was strange to you doesn't mean that it's not real. And all I know, the second generation down from my dad, it changed my house forever. This morning, I'll preach the word of God. This morning, my two nephews will preach the word of God. This, this morning, my dad will preach the word of God. This morning, my brother-in-law will preach the word of God. And my nephew is marrying a female church planter and moving to Lansing, Michigan to plant it. That's crazy. That's wild, you know. He's going to be the first lady of that church. And he's been a preacher himself for about five years. And, um, and, but, man, he's fallen in love with this beautiful girl, and, and they're going to get married and plant a church. It's the coolest thing. And so all I'm saying is, from dad's belly burned up with hooch at 17 years old, coming from a long line of people who, um, who um, understood that game, you know, to what dad is today and the legacy that we have, it's not because of us. It was because of the grace and power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, period. My mom and I were talking about a year ago, and she said, honey, she said, you know, you and Tammy, and she started bragging on Tammy, and I said, stop, stop, please, mom, stop. It was horrible before Jesus saved our family. 
It was horrible before the Holy Spirit changed our family. It was horrible. Absolutely awful. Mom, I, I know that you, you, you brag on all. It was Jesus and Jesus alone through the power of the Holy Spirit that touched our house. And as your pastor, I don't want to hold nothing back from you, amen? I don't want you to miss it because we get too people-based and not presence-based enough. What do you mean presence-based? Man, the worship, you just start to experience the moving of the Spirit. You feel that sense, you know? Man, can we be a place where if the Lord's moving in worship and you feel like you just need to get to this altar, get to this altar. Just go up here, fall before the Lord. Don't worry about it, you know? But it might be strange. It might be what you need. Like I said, if you need a 4 by 4 pickup truck to get you unstuck, by all means, get yourself a truck. Amen? Volkswagen Jesus isn't going to give you victory. <laughs> Jesus is coming with his 4 by 4 in all his power. Amen? I'm serious. That was pretty good. <laughs> Somebody remind me of what I said later. You know, I might say that in the second service. And so when it comes down to it, one of my favorite writers, he wrote Practicing the Presence. He wrote, he wrote um, 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 oh, I just forgot the name of the book I love. A.W. Tozer. Pursuit of God. Pursuit of God. Man, in his, he, here's what he said. I love this. And he said this in the 50s. Human nature hasn't changed. Listen, one characteristic that is largely lacking in the average church today is that of spiritual anticipation. When Christians meet, they do not expect anything unusual to happen. Consequently, only the usual happens, and that usual is as predictable as the setting sun. Here's what he said. He goes, we must declare war on the mood of non-expectation and come together with childlike faith. Only then can we know the wonder of God's presence among us. Is that good? I've been in services like that where I'm just like almost afraid. Have you ever, have you ever sensed that where you're just like, what are you going to do, Lord? It's just so rich, his presence, you know. And the sin in my life, daggone it, he's putting his thumb on it. And you feel that conviction. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But it's not a bad thing. It's a heaviness that's good. It's a heaviness going, God, I feel your heaviness because of this conviction. But you're about to bring breakthrough in my life. And you're sitting there just going, is anybody else getting this? Is anybody else get feeling this? And there's somebody else over here with full of anticipation for their healing and their miracle. Another person full of expectancy for their deliverance. And another person. And God, the word says that his eyes roam to him fro across the earth looking for faith. And he sees a house. He sees a congregation that's just full of expectancy and anticipation. And not satisfied with the same old, same old. And he can't help himself but to rush and come upon that house and do a mighty work and a move of the Holy Spirit. I've just seen it so many times. I'm hungry for that in this house. And the reason why I'm hungry for it is I know I can't preach it good enough to get it. I know we can't sing it good enough to give it to you. I know that. I just know that. But when you get it, when he gets you, it's just something that you'll never, you'll never be able to shake. Amen? Mm. And so when it comes down to it, you may say, oh, let me, let me throw this out first real quick. Let me throw this out because as we go through the next few weeks, just some of the stuff we'll look at that might be a little strange. Today, kind of talking about the embracing of the move of the Spirit of God. You know, we're going to look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all right? I, I love that, that we don't chase signs, okay? 
signs and manifestations as a church. We don't chase signs. Amen? The Bible says signs follow those who believe. So I'm just going to declare in this house, we're not going to chase signs. They're going to chase us. Amen? We're just going to believe. We're just going to put ourselves in a place of expectation. We're going to put ourselves in a place where we're preparing our hearts for his move. And God's going to do what God wants to do. Amen? My dad used to say, God's going to bring this big kiss upon this congregation, and we're going to get caught right in the smack. That's what dad would say. I like that when he'd say that. And so when it comes down to it, we're going to look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we'll be looking a little bit about tongues and just the purpose of tongues. How many of that's kind of weird for you? Yeah, I mean, we're going to demystify it. We're not going to make anybody come here and leave here feeling as if, you know, well, I didn't speak in tongues, so I must be less. No, no, no. You know, so, but, but I want to teach on it so we can understand the gifts of the Spirit. And one of those gifts is the gift of tongues. And, and there's actually three purposes for tongues that we see in Scripture. And so we're going to look at those three things. And we're going to look at a bunch of other stuff next week too. But I want to be able to cover that as well because I think people are curious about that. The, the third thing, one of the weeks we're going to look at this, we're going to look at the demonic. That like took the air out of the room. <laughs> Everybody's like, do we, do, do, do we have to? Yes, we have to. You can't begin to press into what God has for you and think the enemy of your heart won't try to press back. And so I want you to understand the difference between your physical temptation and a demonic leading. I want you to understand the difference between depression that is natural and chemical and, 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 and just our own mind and that which comes from oppressiveness. All right? The difference between demonic possession and demonic oppression. Sound like fun? No, it doesn't sound like fun. It sounds awful. <laughs> it's not stuff I want to teach. But I need to because it's in the Word, right? We need to look at the whole Scripture. And so this is a month of stranger. Everybody say stranger things. And so as I say all that, you go, it's just not in my theology, Ross. It's just not in my theology. Well, can I say this? Then your theology isn't in my Bible. Okay. Okay, And the truth of the matter, when it comes to the supernatural, when it comes to stranger things, you have a choice. You can either upgrade your theology or you can downgrade your experience. I want to be a house that we upgrade our theology. Now, trust me as your pastor. M most of you have been with me years and years. Amen? And um, how many has been with us longer than five years? Raise your hand. Bunch of you, you know. Um, and so when it comes down to it, you know I've never taken you crazy weird. Amen? 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 So it's about time we do. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just, I was just joking. We honor the word of God. Nothing that we will do will point more to something else than Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Amen? But we do need to understand the scriptures concerning things so that we can upgrade our theology. I don't want to downgrade my experience. I, I don't know about you. I don't want to miss one thing that God wants me to experience. In John 14, 12, Jesus said, he goes, the works that I do, he said, believe in the works that I do, you're going to do. And then he says, even greater works. And what blows my mind when I read the scriptures in a few different translations, some of the translations will say, the same works that I do. Well, Jesus, that's heavy. How, how is that even possible? It's not, apart from the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so if Jesus is saying, hey, my promise is all that I have, I want to flow through my church, through my body, 
then we ought to be people that, even though it's strange, God help us to learn how to move in your spirit. And guess what? We can move in his spirit and not be so strange. Do you know that? It's possible to be super spiritual and not super spooky. It is. To be really holy and not completely weird, you know. Now, some things happen that are weird. And we're going to look here in Scripture how that's just part of Scripture at times. But I don't want to miss one thing that God wants me to experience. I want you to turn your Bibles over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. As you're turning there, let me just say something about missing things or not not wanting to miss things that you can experience. Amy and I... We weren't here a couple weeks ago, and the reason why is because we went on a 92-mile hike. And I know a lot of you look at my physique, and you're like, of course. (laughs) Others of you are like, fallacy, liar. (laughs) You didn't go 90 miles to get a donut. Trust me, I, I know you didn't go 90 miles to see a mountain. But... We did. That's what we do. We enjoy it. And, um, and the way we do it is Amy gets way out ahead of me, and I watch her glide. <laughs> I'm kind of joking, and I'm kind of not. And I'm, I just kind of, if, if I can catch up to her, I get to share the hammock with her. That's the idea. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, no, I'm kidding. I shouldn't have said that, baby. I'm sorry. So, but uh, but we go, and we, we love it, you know, and I'm usually about 8 to 10. I think the last day we did almost 14 miles, and, um, and that, that was stupid. But, but we have a lot of good times doing it, and um, during the hike, it was the neatest thing. The first night that we got there to our camp, there was a bunch of millennials there, okay, a bunch of young people there. And what we found out about millennials on this trip is they have no problem with the F word. It means everything, okay? I'm not going to go there. Just surprised me. And they have no problem. They're very generous people with their pot. <laughs> now, I did have some inflammation, and I heard it was good for that. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> one guy, one guy, he's, he's token, you know. He even sanitized it. He did right. I was like, man, you know, you're, you know what you're doing. And, uh, but, but we're standing there in a circle. We were in the pot circle. We just... We were. We just, we just let it pass on by. You just let it pass on by, you know. And, um, but, but, um, but with it, you know, we, we, th- every night we hung out with these guys. And, and I really thought, because they were young, all right, and 150 pounds lighter than me, I really thought that they would hike away from us. And I'm here to tell you, on that last day, that 10th day, as we're leaving, we're hugging their necks there at Fontana Dam, and we stayed with those young ones the whole time. I'm serious. I'm, I'm, I'm bragging. I'm bragging. And so, so then Amy was just like, you know, I'm all feeling good about it. And she's like, well, just think what you could do if you weighed 150 pounds less. And that wasn't of the spirit. <laughs> but, but next year, next year we're going to be there a little bit better, a little bit better. So, um, but I say all that <laughs> to say it took us six days of hiking before we got to see this view. All right, six days of hiking, and finally we got to see Wesser. And there was a few other views before that, but there was so fogged in, rained in, you know, six days of going down a path. And we would not have got to that view had we not gone down that path, all right? 
And there was other things, I'm not going to show all the pictures, but everything from Wea to Westerball to Chia Ball, it was just absolutely phenomenal. And on our way back, our shuttle was driving us back to our car. And for two hours, actually an hour and a half, for an hour and a half, 50 miles an hour, going down the road, and he's naming all the places we just came. And I'm going, I did that? That was awesome. And then it was a half hour up. It was a two-hour drive to our car. But what I'm getting at is he showed us all those things as we're driving back, but it didn't look the same. Looking at it from the heights was amazing. But the only way to see it from the heights was to go down that path. We couldn't have got there unless we went down that path. Listen to me. There are things you won't experience with God unless you go down that path. When it comes to things of the Spirit, that path of, ah, but it seems a little strange. I know, but I'm telling you right now, there's things that you will not experience unless you go down that path. I want you to... I'm going to let you just sit because this is a little bit longer scripture I want to read, all right? But in Acts 2, and I, can't, I, I didn't want to start with this because it just seems so cliche, as if the word of God's cliche. But, you know, it's like we're teaching on the Spirit, and that's the place to start, the day of Pentecost. But I just thought, man, I want you to hear this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Jesus is... Ascending into heaven, he says to them, go tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. And when you're endued with power, you will be a witness of me. Next week, I'll talk a little bit more about that in light of how the gifts work, okay? Um, And I'll tell you a little bit more about what Pentecost means, okay? Because Pentecost was just a Jewish festival. But there's a reason why God poured his spirit out on that day. And we'll cover that next week, okay? But when it comes down to it, this mighty rushing wind, that's kind of strange. It fills the entire house where they're sitting and divided tongues as a fire. So it's a simile. It's not something that they're actually actually happening. This is something as a fire. It's like this touch of God's dividing. It's, it's landing on this person and this person and this person. And what's so neat about it, it says that, that it came upon them. It rested on each one of them. So this isn't just something for some. It's something for all. Amen. The moving of the Holy Spirit is not for the super spiritual, all right? Remember, Peter was in here. He denied Jesus three times, all right? The moving of the Spirit is something for all. And then it says here, and I don't want you to lose this because it sounds different. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I don't want you to miss what really is at work here because it's a declaration of Jesus that is at work, not a declaration of tongues, all right? Tongues were a sign, but it's a declaration of Jesus. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered. You see that? Wow, this is strange. I'm hearing something. This is different. That word bewildered. It was strange even to them what they were experiencing. Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, right? I'm just trying to make some spiritual precedents here that these stranger things, it bewildered these people in Scripture too, and they were amazed and astonished by it. It's different, you know? Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome. God's about to light the whole world on fire. Okay, that's what it's saying here, basically. Jews and proselytes, Cretans, your brother-in-law, no. And Arabians, we hear them. Now listen, here's the thing. 
It's not just the tongues. We hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed. Listen, a man shows up in here needing deliverance from alcohol, and the Lord begins to move by the Spirit in worship and in the preaching and in the laying on of hands. And I'm not saying a single unknown tongue goes forth, but the moving of the Spirit starts to happen in such a way that he hears of deliverance in his own understanding. He hears in his own way in that moment, this is something for me? This is something I can walk in? This is something you can do in my life, Holy Spirit? God, Jesus, come on. May, let it be. This is, this is, I'm just bringing it to our moment right now, all right? We hear them telling in our own tongue, in our own tongue, the way we understand the mighty works of God. And they were amazed and they were perplexed, saying one another, what does this mean? But others were saying, these all have been drinking some wine. These guys are partying. And I love this. So it must have been a little something. There must have been a little hoopla going on. Amen? I'm just being honest, you know. But Peter, standing with the eleven, the other disciples, he lifted up his voice and he addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Now here's this, this backward Peter who had denied Jesus three times. Now with boldness, because the Holy Spirit, he begins to declare, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. In other words, they could be at some point. But it's just 9 o'clock in the morning, so today they're not. No. It says, since it's only the third hour of the day, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And he goes back to the Old Testament to a prophecy that took place. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Say all flesh. We want this, amen? I want whatever the spirit has for me. Amen? All flesh, all flesh. Every one of us in here, God wants to move his spirit on us. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I thought only men could do that. Nope. I heard Heidi brought the word of the Lord on the night. Come on. So proud. The largest gathering of women we've ever had. And they, they filled this place. It was powerful. And Heidi, man, I'm so proud of you speaking that prophetic edge, that word of the Lord to people, you know. So here it says, your sons and your daughters, they'll prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I'm kind of in between visions and dreams right now. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in that stage where I'm, I'm shifting in my age. But, and then even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Amen. So when it says my servants, I mean, these are people that may not even feel like they measure up. But he's like, even on my these servants, servants, man, they're going to even pour out. It's just everybody, it's all flesh. The Spirit of God is going to do a great work. But Pastor Ross, it's so strange. It's just different. I know it's perplexing. It's bewildering. It's amazing. We saw it's astonishing. I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. And I think Jesus enjoys sometimes just doing something to make your jaw slack. You know, if you haven't seen something in a long while, well, it just made you go, are you kidding me? Then maybe we just aren't pressing in enough. Maybe we're just not looking enough, you know. And so there are things that you won't experience, like Amy and I in that, that, that hike, that you won't experience unless you go down that path. And can we be honest with ourselves? It is strange. I'm just going to let, let you off the hook. It's strange. I get it. But to be honest, the faith of the Hebrews and Christians has always been strange. Hasn't it? 
I mean, think about this. When the first temple was dedicated in 2 Chronicles 5, we're not going to put it on the screen, but the priest brought the Ark of the Covenant, that, that thing that symbolized the presence of the Lord, brought it to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the place of the most holy place. And then next thing you know, they begin worshiping. And they were declaring, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. In other words, a move of spirits happening, but they're pointing to God. They're pointing to Jesus. They're pointing to the word. They're pointing to, to, to worship. It's not just craziness. They're pointing everything to God in worship. It says in that scripture that they're, they're worshiping. The, the musicians are playing. Now listen. Then it says, the house, the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Well, that's strange. What do you mean they couldn't stand? It's what it's saying. The word for that glory, that cloud, is Shekinah glory. The manifest presence of God, the glory of the Lord, was so thick and it filled the house so fully. And literally, I'll be honest, I have been in services pre-worship fog days. We got worship fog now. You don't know if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's fog. <laughs> but I've been in services pre-worship fog days where it felt like you could almost see a cloud. Anybody been in a service like that before? Where it was just like, are these clean? I, I, you know, and you pull them off and you're still seeing, do I have cataracts? This is, you know, it just blew my mind. And it's just the Shekinah, the powerful presence of God, the glory of God, rests. And it says that these priests couldn't even stand because of the glory of God. You know, one of the words for glory in Scripture is kabod. It just means a heaviness, not a bad heaviness, a weightiness. You know, and it just, and you know, that's strange saying it. It's even stranger when it happens to you. And I remember one time praying, and I'm, I don't have tons of stories like this. I'm praying for somebody at an altar. Father God, just touch them, do a work in their lives, Jesus. Just, just bless them, just touch them. And, and, and they did. They fell out under the power of the Spirit of God. Has you, have you seen that before? A few weeks ago, that happened right over here. A lady went to pray for a lady. She's on the ground. It was just like, there she was, you know. And somebody asked me, why, why do people fall down sometimes? Because they can't stand up. That, that's it. There's really no... Deep theological truth today. I'm just being honest. It's just that weightiness. That just, and I can remember praying for this person, and then they went, and I'm just like, oh, Lord, I'm so glad you touched. I'm just, thank you, Lord, for touch. Lord, thank, thank you. Oh, my gosh, I'm going. And nobody's catching me, and I just kind of crumpled onto the stage. And I just, oh, so I sat there for a little bit. In his presence, I just felt heavy. I felt it was good. And next thing you know, I just, I'm just getting lower. And, I, and there's a piano. And like two hours later, I'm waking up, seeing the metal underneath the plant. And I'm just, what has happened? That I laid on. Test on. Oh, I think I broke it. 
It's that extra weight. <laughs> Testing check. Just rest. Just rest is what I felt from the Lord, you know? And so, yeah, so it is different. It is strange, you know? It, was that something that I'm going to start this new ministry where I'm just going to make everybody rest? No, just in that moment, that's what God was doing, and, and I'm not going to... I'm not going to discount it, you know. I see it in Scripture. It happened with some preachers, and God said, hey, it's going to happen to you today, you know. Um, I think of things when I think of Christianity being strange. Jesus' birth, he was born to a virgin. Everybody say strange. Just being honest. Jesus' ministry. He put spit and mud in a person's eyes. Everybody say strange. It is. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. People don't do that. Everybody say strange, right? You know, when it came to communion, and we're going to have communion here in a second. When it came to communion, you know, this is my blood. This is my body. Strange. I'm just being honest. Early people, when it came to the Christian faith, they, they thought we were cannibals because of the celebration of the blood and the body of Christ. And it was kind of something that people put out as a rumor, you know. But it's strange. The symbolism is strange, you know? Post-resurrection Jesus up until his ascension. He can walk through walls, but he can eat fish. Strange, you know? And then we just read the day of Pentecost. Really strange, you know, the whole experience. And, and, and so I got to thinking about this idea of strange. In my mind, I'm on the hike, and I told Amy, I said, oh, I just had a thought, you know? And so, so the idea, my thought was this. Raise... Pentecostal, how many were kind of, maybe not raised, but you've had a Pentecostal or charismatic background? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, look at that, that's pretty good. I mean, there was a time when it would be like 5% of us, you know, and that was probably maybe 10% of us, you know. And so, and I love that. I love that that's just, it's not something that's normal for us, you know. It's something we're learning, and that way we can teach you not to do it weird. We can keep away the abuse that you see in televangelism, all right? But if you want to buy me a $54 million jet, you can. Is that too soon? Is that too soon? That was too soon. I'm sorry. I'm going to get bad email on that one. Can we take that off the... All right. <laughs> too soon. But what my thought was, as I was raised up in that, around that, it was almost like this thought that we had Christianity 2.0. Don't lose me here. That we, we were experiencing the full gospel. Well, that's what we would say. We taught it that way, the full gospel. So everybody else was not experiencing the full gospel. And so we were experiencing Christianity 2.0. Truth of the matter? No. It's Christianity 1.0. It's all it was ever supposed to be. Amen? Jesus, that's why he said, go get and do with power. Because you're going to do the stuff I do. And you can't do it if you don't have the power of God in you. So go get and do it with power. And then look at the book of Acts. God moved in power, God moved in power, God moved in power. And guess what? He still is. For those that will go down the path of the Holy Spirit, for those that will embrace what God's doing and his moving of his spirit, it's Christianity 1.0. It's all it was ever supposed to be. And as, the, 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 as Jesus was progressing in his ministry, he said this, and we're going to close with this scripture, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Christianity 1.0, it's all you ever desired. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and this is what life and ministry is supposed to look like. We weren't supposed to have this 2,000, or not quite, because the first 150 years was pretty amazing. We weren't supposed to have this long stretch of, of 
bureaucratic organizational religion, you know, we're supposed to be powerful and intimate. God speaking and us just being vessels to speak what he says and God healing us just being vessels to let his healing flow through. And I love it. Watch what it says in verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You see that? And when God declares something, it is so. So all the stuff Jesus has, that's his. He's going to take what's mine, like his ability to do those works. Amen? And he's going to declare it to you. He's going to place it in your hands. Why? All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he, the Holy Spirit, will take what is mine and will declare it to you. One more quote from A.W. Tozer. Christian expectation in the average church follows the program, not the promises. That's good. Jesus is full of promise. Greater work shall you do, he says. That's a promise of his, you know. We need a fresh spirit of anticipation that springs out of the promises of God. A sense that when we come into the house, Lord, what are you going to do today? And then that sense, not just here, Lord, what are you going to do this week in and through us? What's going to happen as your spirit leads us to speak and to do and to act? What's that look like? And there are things that you won't experience unless you go down that path. The fullness of what Jesus has for you will only come to you through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. What I want to do today is just kind of consecrate our heart, all right? Because I believe when you start to go down that path of the presence of God, it leads you to his power, it leads you to passion for what he has for you to do, and it leads you to purity, okay? And we'll teach more on that in the coming weeks. Power, passion, and purity comes out of the Holy Spirit and are, are striving to walk after him, you know? If in your life you don't care about power, passion, and purity, it, it may just be that you really enjoy Jesus being Savior, but you've been pushing away the mood of the Spirit of God in your life. Does that make sense? I enjoy him being my Savior, but that's it. So as we take communion today, I just want us to commit this month to just, Lord, I want to walk in your power. I want to walk in your passion. I want to walk in your purity. And I can't do that alone, but I'm going to embrace what you're doing in my life through the Spirit. And God, begin to work that out of my life. And a great place to consecrate ourselves is through the act of communion. And so at this time, as we worship together, you can just stay seated. They're going to pass the elements, and then I'll come up and lead us in communion, and then we'll be dismissed. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.